Hey, all you fruity cats and kittens. I'm Whitley. And I'm Brian. And this is Deathly Afraid. Ooh. <laughs> How are you, Brian? I am doing fantastic. How about yourself? I'm doing great. So, so great. Great, great, super great. <laughs> Ooh. Don't ask me about my weeks. I don't even know. I don't know what I've done. I don't know where I am. What day is it? <laughs> it's how I feel. Is mayonnaise an instrument? <laughs> no, Brian. Mayonnaise is not an instrument. Oh. All right. So, do we have anything to say? Brian is speechless. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Nothing about nothing, bro. I know. Should we just jump into it and just dive right in? Dive right in. Dive right in. I'm first. So, this is a very recent case. Do you, have you heard about Corey and Eric Richens? Nope. You haven't? Nope. Okay. This is very recent. It is out of Utah. And I will just dive right in, man. Let's dive right in. Those damn Utahns. <laughs> yeah. Ew. <laughs> just kidding. Um, so March 4th of 2022, at around 3.22 a.m., Corey Richens calls 911 saying that her husband, Eric, 39, was cold to the touch. When sheriff deputies and EMS arrive on the scene at the Camas home in Summit County, Utah, they found Eric unresponsive on the floor at the foot of his bed. EMS tried to revive Eric. <laughs> I spelled it E-R-I-S that time. <laughs> so EMS tried to revive Eric, but he was declared dead at the scene. Corey recounted the night to the police. She said around 9 p.m., Corey and Eric had celebrated the closing on a new house Corey was going to flip for her business. She had made Eric a Moscow mule in the kitchen and brought it up to their room where Eric drank it while sitting in bed. The couple went to bed, but Corey had gone and laid in bed with one of their children who had had a night terror. And around 3 a.m., she woke back up and returned to her and Eric's room to find that Eric was unresponsive and cold to the touch. She had told the police that she had left her phone in her room on the charger. Um, about a year after Eric's death, Corey released a children's book called Are You With Me? Which follows the story of a child who has lost their father, but who is reminded that his presence still exists all around them, just like an angel watching over them. The book was released on March 7th, like just this March 7th. 
And Corey had gone on Good Morning Utah. I keep wanting to say Good Morning America. What are you doing? What? Just heard something about this now that you're talking about okay. the book. Yeah. I'd seen something on TikTok about the realtor lady in Utah that wrote the book about dealing with the grief of losing their father. Yeah. yeah. So you've heard something about. Yeah. Okay. So she the book was released on March 7th. And Corey had gone on Good Morning Utah to talk about the book and coping with the grief of losing her husband. Now, in normal life, this would be the end of the story. But obviously, this is a true crime story, so we know it's not how it ends. <laughs> An autopsy done on Eric showed that he died of a fentanyl overdose and that he had five times the lethal dose in his system at the time of his death. Isn't fat and all that been going around that like it was like a little bit could freaking kill you? Oh yeah, it's it's like a really bad epidemic right now. So the medical examiner said that the drugs were illicit fentanyl and not medical grade fentanyl. So like made on the streets. It is also the opinion of the medical examiner after evaluating Eric's gastric fluid contents. That the fentanyl was in Eric's body was ingested orally. Corey was not quite the grieving wife she wanted everyone to believe her to be. On Monday, May 8th of 2023, so a couple weeks ago, Corey was arrested on charges of aggravated murder and three counts of possession with intent to distribute a controlled substance in the connection to the murder of her husband, Eric Richens. So, now we're going to go back in time and find out what really happened. Like I said, Corey told police that she had left her phone on the charger when she went to her son's room, but the data pulled from the phone shows it was unlocked and locked multiple times in the time frame that she said she didn't have it, and texts were sent from her phone that have since been deleted. So she was on her phone, like, basically the whole time. In the charging documents, it states that after receiving the information regarding the toxicology, a search warrant was obtained for Eric and Corey's house. Um, during the service of that search warrant, Corey's phone and several computers were seized as evidence. Warrants were obtained for all electronic devices and information from those devices was downloaded. When investigators downloaded Corey's phone, several communications between Corey and the only thing it says in the charging documents is CL. That's all that they're referred to as. There's no name in there. I'm assuming it's like protecting identity or whatever since yeah. they're helping them out. So just communication between Corey and CL were located. CL was identified as an acquaintance of Corey's. A police records check of CL revealed multiple counts of possession of controlled substance with the intent to distri distribute possession of a controlled substance and possession of drug paraphernalia. So on May 2nd, 2023, Summit County detectives interviewed CL and CL told them that sometime between December 2021 and February of 2022, Corey had contacted CL via text message and asked if CL could get her some prescription pain medications for an investor 
who had a back injury. Within a few days, Seol had um, procured hydrocodone pills from the dealer. So Corey told Seol to leave the pills at a house that she was flipping in Midway. Seol left the pills at the house and Corey left cash for Seol. It was determined that the house was owned by Corey in December of 2021 and January of 2022. About two weeks later, Corey contacted CL again and said that her investor, her investor, air quotes, <laughs> wanted something stronger and asked for some of that Michael Jackson stuff. <laughs> I don't do drugs, so I would be like, huh? <laughs> Um, she asked specifically for fentanyl. CL contacted the dealer in Ogden and on February 11th, 2022, and then brought 15 to 30 more fentanyl pills. More? Why did I say more? 15 to 30 fentanyl pills from the dealer. Corey came to CL's home in Heber and CL gave her the pills. And Corey paid $900 for those 15 to 30 pills. Yeah. Three days later, on February 14th, 2022, Corey made Eric a sandwich, along with a love note that she left on his on the seat of his truck for him to eat at lunch. Eric became very ill and broke out in hives and was unable to breathe. He ended up having to use his son's EpiPen. Um, Eric believed that he had been poisoned and he actually even told one of his friends that he thought his wife was trying to poison him. Um, about two weeks after this, Corey contacted CL again, asking for another $900 worth of fentanyl pills. CL again contacted the dealer in Ogden and on February 26, 2022, she had the pills again. Corey told CL to leave the pills at an outdoor fire pit of the Midway house where there was cash waiting for her. Six days later, on March 4th, 2022, Eric's found dead of fentanyl overdose. So, two days after Eric's death, Corey calls a locksmith to drill into Eric's safe that contained between $125,000 and $165,000 in cash. Dang. So, she obviously didn't have access to this safe. So, she calls that locksmith and is like, hey, come get into this. Well, Eric's older sister, Katie, confronted Corey about this and told Corey that she didn't have authority to get into that safe. And Corey becomes enraged and punches Eric's sister in the face and neck. Dang. Yeah. So, they, they get in a little tussle. This is when Corey learned for the first time that Eric actually changed his will. Eric had created a living trust and placed his older sister in charge. Corey thought she was about to inherit an estate of at least $3.6 million. According to the terms of the prenup that they had signed on June 15th of 2013 when they were married. So she thought she was getting the fat payout. Yeah. Well, the prenup, so the prenup established that each did not have rights to one another's present or future income. So basically, it's like you have your income, I have my income, I have no rights to yours, you have no rights to mine. 
doesn't matter if you win the lottery. I don't have a right to that. You know, so they have rights to one another's money for the future income, property, or assets. Except if Eric Richens dies while they are married. His partnership interest in his business would transfer to Corey as well. So, two years after they were married in 2013, Corey took out the first life insurance policy on Eric. And between 2015 and 2017, Corey had taken out four life insurance policies on Eric, totaling a value of $1,947,000. Plus, she thinks she's getting all his other money. Yeah. The most recent policy was taken out two months before his death in late January of 2022, where Corey filed an application for a $100,000 policy. Policy was issued on February 4th, a month before his death. One week later is when she made her first purchase of fentanyl. So one week after she gets this policy. Eric's lawyer, Greg Scordas, I don't know if that's how you actually say it, but it looks like it. Greg Scordas tells DailyMail.com that Eric and Corey had discussed divorce in the months leading up to Eric's death. He said they had argued over financial issues and it seemed that both were more realistic about divorce as a way forward. Um, the charging documents revealed that in September of 2020, Corey had obtained and spent $250,000 HELOC on their Camus home. He'd withdrawn at least 100000 from his bank account and spend in excess of $30,000 on his credit cards. Jeez. So what is she doing? Like, that's a lot of freaking I can't spend that. That's a lot. Like, from se- in September of 2020. That's insane. Yeah. Eric also discovered that Corey had been appropriating distributions made from his business for the purpose of making federal and state quarterly tax payments and not paying them. So basically, she's like, I'm going to take this and pay your quarterly taxes then she's pocketing the money the total of the tax money she took was $134,346 and Eric insisted that Corey paid all back insisted (laughs) (laughs) you guys I can't type worth crap I always think it's funny when I'm reading this back and I'm like, nope, that's not what that was supposed to say. So the following month is when Eric consulted a divorce, a divorce lawyer and an estate planning lawyer. This is when he created his living trust and completely took Corey out of any control over his estate and stated that she should never become a trustee of it and severely limited her access to any funds that she might receive in the event of his death. Um, He also transferred the partnership interest in his business to the trust and designated the trust instead of Corey to become the beneficiary of his $500,000 life insurance policy. He obviously didn't know about any of the insurance policies that Corey had taken out on him. So this $500,000 was one that he had on himself. Um, In a section... Of his will, he included written instructions of what to do in case his disappearance or abduction. He also told family members if anything happened to 
to him they should check out his wife, that he didn't want her to get away with something and believed she would try to kill him for his money. Like, run! Right? A lot of people wondered why he would stay if he thought she would kill him. In an interview with DailyMail.com, his lawyer and family spokesperson, Squirtus, remember him? Said, there are three reasons Eric stayed. One is 10 years old, one is 9 years old, and the third is 6. He lived for those kids, and unfortunately, he died for them, too. Which is sad. Yeah. Like, I don't understand why people stay in marriages for their kids. Like, that's, I feel like, harder on the kids. Yeah. Because you can tell when there's no love there. You know what I mean? I don't know. So, Scord has also said, there were rumors that Corey maintained a relationship relationship, a relationship with somebody else for the duration of the marriage. It wasn't anything the family ever discussed with Eric or anything that rose above the level of hearsay. So, remember how Corey said her and Eric were celebrating the closing on a home for her business? Yeah. Well... Family members say that Eric and Corey actually disagreed over this $2 million purchase that Corey had planned to flip. The day after her husband's death, she closed on the home and two weeks later had it back on the market for $5 million. He straight up thought it was a stupid decision. Yeah. Um, also, I seen that the house was just now in contract and it's for like three points. Three six million, I think it was. Which I should have. I mean, it's still a profit, a but profit. she's sat on it for over a year. She's had to pay yeah. property taxes, which she probably didn't pay because she didn't pay other taxes. But and now she's in jail. So, um, there are also reports. This was crazy to me. The day after Eric's death, Corey threw a massive party at the new home. She invited her friends over to the 10-acre property for drinking and celebrating on March 4th, only hours after her husband was pronounced dead. That doesn't sound like a morning life to me. <laughs> so it's not, it wasn't really clear and not really known if the people who were at the party knew that he had died yeah. at the time of the party. You know what I mean? Like, they're at the party having fun. No one knows if they actually knew that he was dead or not. It was weird because when you think you'd be like, "Hey, where's Eric?" Maybe, but where it said like, "Shh," you were already talking about divorce and stuff. Maybe they weren't hanging out a lot, or that could be, I guess. So on May fourth, just days before her arrest, Corey posted a tribute to her husband on Facebook, writing, "Life is just so damn hard without you here. The cards I have been dealt seem like a game that just can't be played." Hashtag, please come home, Eric Richens. You dealt yourself those cards. She is nuts. So Corey's detention hearing was scheduled for this past Friday, May 19th, but was postponed due to the amended charges of like, it was the part where like intent to distribute the drugs. Yeah. So they included... They amended that and it included new insights into the case. Her new hearing is scheduled for June 12th. So I'm sure more will come out about this, but that is what we know. 
she's she's something. That's crazy. Like, like I was saying, like I had after you mentioned about the book or whatever, I remembered seeing something on Facebook or TikTok or something about her story. Well, I didn't really go into her story, but right. I'm saying that she, she wrote the this book about, book about grieving, grieving, and she's the one that murdered him. And yeah, yeah, like how. I just don't even know how you think you're going to get away with that. Right? Like, like all the freaking insurance Also, and... please don't ever try to feed me a cocktail. I'm scared. <laughs> joking. No, you, I know you wouldn't murder me. You guys, if I die, it was Brian. <laughs> Never. Just kidding. So, and then I wrote Finn. Because yeah. I like that. <laughs> So that was my story about Corey. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so Brian, what is your story about today? So my story this week is actually one that Ralph suggested I do. Ralph. Because I didn't know what I was going to do. And so I texted him the other day and I was like, hey, what should I do this week? So anyway, the. Story I'm going to be talking about this week is the Jersey Devil. Have you heard about this one? Yes, but I don't remember it. I definitely know the name though. Okay. So in South Jersey and Philadelphia folklore, folklore. Are you having (laughs) typing issues too? Not typing, just reading. In the United States, the Jersey Devil also known as the Leeds Devil, legendary creature, said to inhabit the forests of the Pine Barrens in South Jersey. The creature is often described as a flying biped with hooves, but there are many variations. The common description is that of a bipedal kangaroo-like or wyvern-like creature with a horse or goat-like head leathery bat-like wings, horns, small arms with clawed hands, legs with cloven hooves, and a forked or pointed tail. It has been reported to move quickly and is often described as emitting a high-pitched, blood-curdling scream. There have been many claims of sightings and occurrences involving the Jersey Devil, According to legend, while visiting the Hanover Mills work to inspect his cannonballs being forged, Commodore Stephen Decatur sighted a flying creature and fired a cannonball directly upon it to no effect. Joseph Bonaparte, elder brother of Napoleon. Bonaparte? 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 Did I say Bonaparte? You said Bonaparte. Bonaparte. Joseph Bonaparte, elder brother of Napoleon is also claimed to have seen the Jersey Devil while hunting on his Bordentown estate about 1820. You know, his brother makes a mean ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) It's also super short. During 1840, the Jersey Devil was blamed for several livestock killings. Similar attacks were reported during 1841, accompanied by tracks and screams. In Greenwich Township, in December 1925, a local farmer shot an un- unidentified animal as it attempted to steal his chickens and then photographed the corpse. 
Afterwards, he claimed that none of the 100 people he showed it to could identify it. On July 27th of 1937, an unknown animal with red eyes, seen by residents of Downingtown, Pennsylvania, was compared to the Jersey Devil by a reporter for the Pennsylvania Bulletin of July 28, 1937. In 1951, a group of Gibbstown, New Jersey boys claimed to have seen a monster matching the devil's description and claims of a corpse matching the Jersey Devil's description arose in 1957. During 1960, cracks and noises heard near May's Landing were claimed to be from the Jersey Devil. During the same year, the merchants around Camden offered a $10,000 reward for the capture of the Jersey Devil, even offering to build a private zoo to house the creature if it was captured. Hmm. Which, back then, that was a buttload of freaking money. A whole butt, like my butt or your butt, because that's a different butt. Your butt. That's a lot of money. <laughs> um, wave of sightings in 1909. During the week of January 16th to the 23rd of 1909, newspapers published hundreds of claimed encounters with the Jersey Devil from all over South Jersey and the Philadelphia area. Among these alleged encounters were claims the creature attacked a trolley car in Haddon Heights and a social club in Camden. Police in Camden and Bristol, Pennsylvania, supposedly fired on the creature to no effect. Other reports initially concerned unidentified footprints in the snow, but soon sightings of creatures resembling the Jersey Devil were being reported throughout South Jersey and as far away as Delaware and Western Maryland. The widespread newspaper coverage created fear throughout the Delaware Valley, prompting a number of schools to close and workers to stay home. Could you imagine? Yeah, we didn't have school today because they were worried about a, <laughs> a devil. devil creature. <laughs> Lenny would be excited. Whenever <laughs> Lennon would be like anxiety through the roof. Whenever he'd be like, we don't have school. I don't care what for. <laughs> Or he'd be like, Mom, can I sleep with you? Right. <laughs> so vigilante groups and groups of hunters roamed the pines and countrysides in search of the devil. During this period, it is rumored that the Philadelphia Zoo even posted a $10,000 reward for the creature. The offer prompted a variety of hoaxes, including a kangaroo equipped with artificial claws and bat wings. They that made me laugh. I don't think. I don't know if they killed it or just... I think they just captured it. But. Oh. <laughs> they put the bat wings and shit out. It's big. They <laughs> got it. Like, uh, no. Sir, that's a kangaroo. Right. In a costume. This has got like a bat costume on. <laughs> Little uh, Batman mask. Right. So legend has it that in 1735, a Pines resident known as Mother Leeds found herself pregnant for the 13th time. Holy guacamole, lady. Yeah. Figure it out. So Leeds is the name of one of New Jersey's earliest settlers, and many descendants of the Leeds family can still be found throughout New Jersey to this day. Well, no shit. She had 13 kids, and they probably had 57 probably. each. <laughs> so Mother Leeds was not living a wealthy lifestyle by any means. She couldn't. She had 13 kids. <laughs> right? 
Her husband was a drunkard who made few efforts to provide for his wife and 12 children. <laughs> Wait, you said 13. Well, she was oh, she's pregnant with the 13th. Okay. So reaching the point of absolute I'd be exhaust- a drunkard, too. I just want you to know. Right? <laughs> so reaching the point of absolute exasperation upon learning of her 13th child, she raised her hands to the heavens and proclaimed, Let this one be a devil. This is Lennon. It's half angel, half devil. Halfly angel, halfly devil. The mother leads went into labor a few months later on a tumultuously stormy night, no longer mindful of the curse she had uttered previously regarded her unborn child. I can read. (laughs) Her children and husband huddled together in one room of their Leeds Point home while local midwives gathered to deliver the baby in another. By all accounts, the birth went routinely, and the 13th Leeds child was a seemingly normal baby boy. Within minutes, however, Mother Leeds' unholy wish of months before began to come to fruition. The baby started to change and metamorphosized. Metamorphosized? Nope. The baby started to change and metamorphosized. Ghost? Right before her very eyes. Metamorphosized. Within moments, it transformed from a beautiful newborn baby into a hideous creature unlike anything the world had ever seen. The wailing infant began growing at an incredible rate. It sprouted horns from the top of its head, and talon-like claws tore through the tips of its fingers. Leathery, bat-like wings unfurled from its back, and hair and feathers sprouted all over the child's body. Its eyes began glowing bright red as they grew larger in the monster's gnarled and snarling face. The creature savagely attacked its own mother, killing her, then turned its attention to the rest of the horrified onlookers who witnessed its tempestuous transformation. (laughs) It flew at them, clawing and biting, voicing unearthly shrieks the entire time. It tore the midwives limb from limb, maiming some and killing others. The monster then knocked down the door to the next room where its own father and siblings cowered in fear and attacked them all, killing as many as it could. Those who survived to tell the tale then watched in horror as the rotten beast sprinted to the chimney and flew up it, destroying it on the way up and leaving a pile of rubble in its wake. (laughs) The creature then made good its escape into the darkness and desolation of the Pine Barrens, where it has lived ever since. To this day, the creature known varyingly as the Leeds Devil and the Jersey Devil claims the pines as its own and terrorizes any who are uncomfortable enough to encounter it. Uncomfortable enough? Is that what you said? I said, but that's not what I wrote. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunate. (laughs) I'm tired. You're uncomfortable, I'm would uncomfortable. you say? I'm uncomfortable with it, so it's going to attack me. It's like, that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> oh. Okay, unfortunate. Leave for us, you have to say that again. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> to this day, the creature, known varyingly as the Leeds Devil and the Jersey Devil, claims the pines as its own and terrorizes any who are unfortunate. Enough to encounter. 
Okay. Makes sense. It makes them very uncomfortable. <laughs> it makes me uncomfortable. So in the 18th and 19th centuries, the Jersey Devil was spotted sporadically throughout the Pine Barrens region, frightening the local residents and any of those brave enough to traverse the vast, undeveloped expanses of New Jersey's southern reaches. Unearthly whales were often reported emanating from the dark forests and swampy bogs, and the slaughter of domesticated animals would invariably be attributed to the Phantom of the Pines. Over the years, the legend of the Leeds Devil grew, occasionally even overstepping the boundaries of its rural pine barrens haunt to terrorize local towns and cities. Most infamous of these incidents occurred during the week of January 16th through 23rd, 1909. That's my uncle's birthday. Is it? The 23rd? Yeah, it's Matt's birthday. So early in the week, reports starting emerging from all across the Delaware Valley. Valley? Valley. Valley. (laughs) Is that like Valerie, but with like a weird speech impediment? Yeah. Valerie. (laughs) Valerie. Valerie. That one's been here twice. Why don't you come on over, Valerie? Well, that part is in <laughs> So, pretty much, they found strange tracks in the snow. The mysterious footprints went over and under fences, through fields and backyards, and across the rooftops of houses. They were even reported in the large cities of Camden and Philadelphia. Was it West Philadelphia? He was born, born and raised. raised. On the playground is where he spent most of his days. Yeah. Chilling out. Relaxing. Outside of the pool. Panic immediately began to spread and possess... What? Panic immediately began to spread and posses formed in more than one town. Fear and intrigue grew even greater when it was reported... The bloodhounds refused to follow the unidentified creature's trail in Hamilton. Mills in the Pine Pine Barrens were forced to close when workers refused to leave their homes and travel through the woods to get to their jobs. Eyewitnesses spotted the beast in Camden and in Bristol, Pennsylvania. And in both cities, police fired on it but did not manage to bring it down. A few days later, it reappeared in Camden, attacking a late-night meeting of a social club and then flying away. Earlier that day, it had appeared in Haddon Heights, terrorizing a trolley car full of passengers before flying away. Witnesses claimed that it looked like a large flying kangaroo. Another trolley car full of people saw it in Burlington when it scurried across the tracks in front of their car. In West Collingswood, it appeared on the roof of a house and was described as an ostrich-like creature. Firemen turned their hose upon it, but it attacked them and then flew away. It looked like an ostrich now? An ostrich and a kangaroo and... They don't know what this thing looks like. And a heap, heap hop anonymous? Heap hop? That's no fair. He gets all the easy ones. <laughs> So the entire week, people reported that their livestock, particularly their chickens, were being slaughtered. This was most widespread in the towns of Bridgeton and Millville. The marauding misanthrope reappeared later in the week in Camden, where a local woman found the beast attempting to eat her dog. 
Aww. She hit it with a broomstick and it flew away. If it was Luna, I'd let it finish. <laughs> right, they just take it. It's messing up my peach tree. She keeps digging the peach tree up and I just planted it and it makes me want to punch her face. I wouldn't punch her face. But it also makes me very upset. And I have one tiny peach on it. Right. So while there has not since been another week to match the frequency and intensity of the January 1909 rampage, numerous sightings of the Jersey Devil have continued to be reported to this day. The tale of the devil has spread beyond the Pine Barrens and has been embraced by all of New Jersey, even to the point where it has been largely commercialized. The devil is portrayed in toys, on t-shirts, and and is even the subject of his own feature film. Most famously, the devil has lent its name to the New New Jersey's NHL hockey team. Oh, there you go. So there are still many, however, who believe that the Jersey devil is a very real, very dangerous creature. There's been a constant stream of reports over the years of devil encounters. Most often, people report finding strange, unidentifiable tracks in the sandy soil and desolate areas of the Pine Barrens. Some reports claim that they are the footprints of a strange bird. Others say that they closely resemble hoofprints, although whatever it is, walks on just two legs. There have, been, there have even been an, a substantial amount of reports that describe the tracks as being cloven, a well-cited description of the feet hooves, <laughs> of a more famous devil, Satan. My name is Satan. <laughs> <laughs> While less frequent, there are still occasional reports of people who see more than just tracks and manage to cla- clash. catch a glimpse of old JD himself. JD? Oh, JD. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, who the freak is JD? What is JD, what is he doing here? Who invited this guy? Right? He is most commonly described as having the body of a kangaroo, the head of a dog, the face of a horse, large leathery wings, antlers similar to those of a deer, a forked reptilian tail, and intimidating claws. (laughs) While some Jerseyans embrace their devil as nothing more than a quaint figment of our collective imagination, a source of unification and pride, and a unique and important piece of New Jersey folk culture. Others see it as a very real creature and a threat to their safety. Still, others who have sworn they did not believe in the existence of the Jersey Devil have had their minds changed after spending just one moonlight night in the Pine Barrens. There were a ghost there were a ghostly mist drifts across the cedar swamps and the unearthly cry of some unseen creature can be heard piercing the stillness of the dark forest. Few, believe, few disbelievers can be found. Whether it's deep in the Pine Barrens or deep in our collective unconscious, one thing is certain, the devil still lurks in New Jersey and most likely always will. And this next one is a little story I got off of weirdnewjersey.com by Sunny Z. Tell us about it, Sonny. So the story, title of the story is The Devil on Route 9. It says, let me tell you of a sighting of the Jersey Devil. 
I was driving up Route 9 in Bayville at around 10 p.m. There were two cars in front of me, and we were traveling about 35 miles an hour. To the right of Route 9 is a mini-mall-type building with woods behind it. To the right is all woods. All of a sudden, I saw this big thing running across Route 9. It looked like one of the classic pictures of the Jersey Devil. It had no tail, no fur. Its ribs showed, and it had a long, odd head with short ears that laid flat. It looked almost ten feet tall. I noticed it because the first car stepped on its brakes, as did the second car. When I looked ahead, I saw this thing galloping across Route 9 and strayed into the woods. I was not really scared, because it did not register yet. I stopped to mail something in the mailbox, about 300 feet from the main road, and I saw a child's shirt, shorts, and one sneaker lying on the ground. I mailed my letter, ran into my car, and laid rubber all the way home. I was certain that I had seen the Jersey Devil. No one believes me. They say it was a deer. I have never seen a deer that big, that fast, or that weird looking in my life. What is really creepy is that the other two people driving in front of me stepped on their brakes, so they must have seen it too. Hmm. Yeah. That would be crazy. Right? I've never seen a devil. I have neither. I mean, I gave birth to a couple of them, but (laughs) (laughs) that would be really scary to see, especially because it's like a bajillion different animals in one. Right, so you can see a kangaroo and big, yeah, I don't know if that's the Jersey Devil or not. It's got all sorts of different descriptions. Right, you'd be like, I don't know, is it a kangaroo or is it a bird? Might be an ostrich. With a horse head and... And a dog. I want to know how a dog head, but a horse face. Or yeah, dog head and horse face. Like, how does that work? <laughs> I don't know. A horse's head is quite a bit bigger than a dog's. I was looking at pictures of this the other day. I'll pull them back up so you could see. Every time I like say the word hooves, I just think of Freddie Got Fingered when he's all like, "Got hooves." <laughs> and every time you say Freddie Got Fingered, all I can think of is. Buddy, would you like some sausages? That's <laughs> when he's making a zebra in America. <laughs> okay. That almost looks like a like a reptile head. Yeah, kind of, yeah. I mean, there's all sorts of... Gryffindor! <laughs> <laughs> That's where they got it. It's from Harry Potter, guys. We figured it out. Actually, I'd say that would be more of a, like a Ravenclaw looking. Well, that one up at the top looked like a little Gryffindor type looking dude. Wow. Looks more like a devil thing. Yeah, it does. I say that's it. <laughs> I can see that. It looks like it would be around. I mean, it's got like little ram horns. Where it's at the trees. And it looks, looks like, like a. Like 10 foot tall. It does. But its face looks like a really confused dog. It does. <laughs> like one of those. Is it, uh, oh, didn't my mama love me? Like the bulldog faces. Yeah. It's got a horse head with the bulldog face. <laughs> <laughs> Ram horns and bat wings. And hooves. Hooves. It's got hooves. <laughs> All right. Well, that one was pretty good. Here's another picture where it said he had. Oh, deer horns. That just looks like a deer top half 
the head anyway. It looks like a deer yeah. head with bat wings and like a buff claws, deer. It's got like a buff flying deer. Right? <laughs> Look at this one. It looks like a that looks like Eeyore got real pissed off. <laughs> right? <laughs> we'll post uh, well, yeah, we'll post these. What guys. we'll actually do is we'll do a survey and we'll post different pictures and see like like which one do you guys think it is? Yeah, we can do that. Brian must be doing socials this week. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so yeah. That's our stories, guys. Yeah. We tired. Yeah, it's been a long rough week already and it's only Wednesday. I know. We have Creed's got tournaments this weekend that start on Friday. So we're gonna be busy. But hey, they are the champions. And you know what, guys? Oh yeah. They won the championship. Yeah, for their spring league last weekend. So uh congratulations, Warhawks. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to the twelve U Warhawks. Champions. Now I forgot what I was going to say. I remember what I was going to say. Happy Memorial Day to everybody. Yeah, happy Memorial Day. On Monday. On Monday. So, not Sunday when this comes out. Yes, not Sunday. But it's Memorial Day weekend, which is fun. Yeah. Everyone will be camping. We'll be camping at the baseball field. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so. We'll camp in our butt in some chairs to watch some good old baseball. It's so fun, though. They're at the age where it's fun to watch. Right. So. All right. Well, thank you guys for coming back again. Yeah. Tell your friends about us. And give us some more suggestions on stories to you. I like having suggestions. Like, I don't like like going into the... It's harder for me... Going into the week and being like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then when people are just like, hey, do this, I'm like, we get excited because I'm like, yeah, somebody wants to hear about this. And right. Yeah. I um, would like some suggestions as well on maybe some less known cases. I feel like a lot of these, you know, they're pretty well known um, that I've done so far. So something less known would be fun. Like, I feel like today's. I mean, we've seen it in the news lately, but it's not as well known yet. So, yeah, yeah. Tell your friends, give us suggestions. Um, please rate the podcast and review it. It helps us a ton get more listeners and get our name out there. So, you can follow our Instagram at Deathly Afraid Podcast. You can join our Facebook group, Deathly Afraid Podcast. You can email us about anything. I don't care what it is. You can even just say hi. <laughs> DeathlyAfraidPod at gmail.com. And you can have yourself a nice freaking weekend. Yeah. We'll catch lots of fish. And if you don't fish, don't catch lots of fish because that'd be weird. Yeah. Yeah. All right. See you guys next week. Bye. Bye.